Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap podcast here with me, Clive Glover, and this time with Hannah. Haven't heard from Hannah for a while. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Clive. Thanks for having me this morning. And how are you today? Uh, very well, very well. Um, yeah, sun's shining today. It's a lovely weekend. It's set to be. I'm uh, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Excellent. Right, so now you're, you're talking from London, where you now live, but of course you actually grew up in a, a small village, yeah. uh, which was Flamstead, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was Kimpton. Oh, um, Kimpton, so sorry. Kind of uh, moving towards uh, Stevenage direction, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, my point is, we're going to talk today about cars, and my point really was getting to that, obviously you're familiar, growing up in a village like that, you actually sort of need a car to get around to a large extent. Um, and obviously many people live in areas where that's the case. So we'll talk about cars now, and it's, it's a thing that's changing quite drastically, I think, because obviously um, we know that the future is going to be very different with cars. So let's start. So now you've you've been doing some driving lessons, but probably not for the last year or so because it's not been possible with um, all the COVID restrictions. Um, so did you ever get to learn to drive and pass a test? Um, so I did lessons for about uh, a year um, during my first year of college. So that would have been come up to three or four years ago now. Um, and um, yeah, I unfortunately just never got to the point where I was um, ready for a test. I was never told I was ready for a test. And um, it was just kind of clashing to the point where um, because I, I live in somewhere so isolated, I was um, I was desperately looking for a job before I went to university. And um, I was just it just kind of feels like as soon as they look at your address and they know you can't drive, it's like the um, might as well in the interview kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's um, no, I'm, I'm, I still don't drive, unfortunately. Okay, but living in London, you probably have very little need to drive anyway, really, because you've got good public transport. Uh, yeah, no, my incentive has um, dropped uh, quite a bit. It's um, yeah, it's kind of an ongoing joke that Londoners, you know, they miss a train that's they miss their train, they get upset, and then it's literally going to arrive in three minutes again. So it's um, it's uh, it, it's uh, yeah, just uh, get me around. <laughs> well, also, if you did. I mean, if you did want to pass your test um, soon, um, you wouldn't be able to because there's a huge backlog, which last time I looked was over 300,000 people oh um, waiting to book book tests. So I think that's going to take a couple of years to really clear off, to be honest. Um, okay, so obviously um, driving a car is something that you have to, you, many people learn. I got an impression that a lot of young people weren't really so interested these days anyway because they realise the, the implications are, even if you pass your test, and maybe you even are lucky enough to be able to afford to get a car yourself um, you find then there's an awful lot of cost associated with it which you probably couldn't afford I mean things like insurance particularly Um, it's not unknown for insurance for sort of 18 19 year old to be perhaps 1500 pounds a year and that's of course that's of course um, on top of paying car tax obviously you've got to look after it maintain it Um, you've got to fill it with petrol and all the rest of it so it's really quite an expensive hobby if that's I'm not sure it's a hobby but it's (laughs) an expensive thing and obviously in many ways you're more likely to be struggling to pay your rent for your um, accommodation and that sort of thing Mm, yeah it's um it's not hugely helpful to kind of have that stack on top of everything else and it's just um when it comes to things like insurance it's just like you're kind of doomed from the start like you know so you know you, you've just learned to drive you're, you're a new driver it doesn't really put you in a good position um as it is so it's um yeah it's really difficult um to even start driving and also to make it really really worse for you as a, as a woman, you see, they um, did equalise um, all the insurance premiums for men and women because they used to charge a higher premium for men who were more likely to have accidents when they were young. And so they what they did was equalising them meant putting them up for women, obviously. Oh right, oh god. 
So after all that doom and gloom, why don't we look to the future? Because the future for cars is quite interesting, I think. And uh, I'll be interested to sort of share my ideas and, and see what you think about this. But Obviously, the thing we all know is that um, cars are going to be changing, and you've probably seen electric cars around already. There's quite a few around here. Mm, um, yeah. And the you won't be able to buy a petrol or a diesel or even a hybrid car, a new one, after 2030. And 2030 is only about, well, it's less than nine years away now, so it's not really a huge amount of time uh, for such a change. I mean, there's, I've just looked this up, there's 33 million registered cars in the UK at the moment. And of those, less than half a million are actually electric ones. So to change all that in nine years is pretty um, drastic, I think, to put it mildly. Yes, I agree, definitely. <laughs> Um, so electric cars, obviously, they are different, and the main difference is they don't put out pollutants, particularly carbon dioxide and nitrous oxide, I think, are the two things which go into the atmosphere and cause global warming. So they're very bad, and we need to sort of deal with that. And electric cars basically don't, obviously, emit anything like that. They don't emit anything, effectively. Um, but they do need charging up, and they do need batteries and so on, which obviously need electricity, which is generated largely by uh, non-polluting um, things, but there's still some uh, power, gas-powered um, power stations producing them and so on. But anyway, it's seen as a solution to the issue of um, emissions from transport. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, this is the air quality. Um, I really notice it when I um, when I come home. Um, I think I went to um, I went to Biggleswade recently in Bedfordshire and um, just went for like a nice walk in a field and I was literally like breathing in like so much more <laughs> than I would be I, re I, I I noticed it a lot and um it really woke me up to um the whole issue which is why I'm, I'm really leaning towards um getting an electric car myself when I do start to drive and and everything it's um you know the change from when I go between London and other places it's um it's it's insane to me <laughs> well yeah i mean actually of course that's an extra thing i mean the, the pollution and you're absolutely right if you're in london or in in honesty in, in the middle of any of the bigger towns and so on you you can certainly find the the difference you can sort of smell and taste the the pollution in the air yeah. um but the, the pollution in the air is not necessarily the same thing as the exhaust from the uh, cars but i suppose it's probably caused by that as well okay so anyway with electric cars um there's several things about them um one of them is is that obviously they are much more expensive than uh, petrol cars at the moment. Um, in the last few weeks, there's been various announcements about new factories building batteries and building electric cars in future in the UK, and there'll probably be more of those. So um, the issue will be that um, the obviously if they make lots and more of them and so on, the price will come down. And the idea is that by 2030, that the price of a comparable electric car should be pretty much the same as for a petrol one now. Um, but again, like with the insurance, that probably means they'll just put the prices up to what the electric <laughs> the electric price was rather than the other way around, of course. Yeah, it's always a catch, always a catch. <laughs> now, they're not going to stop you um, dry, buying a second-hand car which was diesel or petrol, but presumably at some point that would be coming into effect. So the, you know, the, the writing is on the wall, as it were, for um, obviously um, these uh, petrol and diesel cars. 
Now, electric cars are um, obviously powered by electric batteries running electric motors, but there's a lot more to them than that. I don't know if you've ever actually been in or looked at an electric car closely, but um, the, the ones which obviously most people know are the Teslas, which yes. obviously are quite sophisticated. And the, the interesting thing is that Elon Musk, who obviously runs the company, um, said that his inspiration for the Tesla was, believe it or not, an iPhone. <laughs> and the, that, po- the yeah. point is that if you, you, you park your Tesla outside overnight and you get in it in the morning and you switch it on and suddenly the s- displays and things have changed because it's updated the software overnight. Yeah, I've um, I've seen a lot of the algorithm in a Tesla, like with it's got a big old touch screen and stuff like that. And it kind of allows you to kind of go into its settings. And you see a lot of videos of um, people, you can change the noise of your car horn and stuff like that like to anything which um you know i think that's gonna probably get um kind of monitored a bit more um you just you know beat the horn it says something rude but it's um it's yeah it's kind of that customizing um you know tap into your settings that kind of way i that's it's very similar to a smartphone definitely i can see the comparison well, that's it. And the idea that they can upgrade this, update the software overnight is quite an impressive, well, not just overnight, presumably any time, but mm. they do it overnight for convenience. Um, and I thought, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? And that's quite an interesting thing to think about. You, mean, you know, you, you learn when you're driving, obviously, your car, there's this button and that switch you use. Ooh. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> obviously, there are cars near you. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, so if you hear a moped, like, um, crashing by, <laughs> that happens a lot. Or a siren. I'm surprised I haven't had any sirens yet. That's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how long we go before a siren comes down. Okay, so I mean, I, I thought that was quite an interesting idea as well. Um, and obviously, the the other side of it is because there's so much electronics, um, it's loads of things that they can do now, and which they're working towards. Particularly is what they call autonomous cars, which means basically they can drive themselves. Now we've all seen these in science fiction films and so on, and it's been talked about for many years, but it's proving quite difficult to actually make it work in reality. And um, I think that's not not totally surprising to me, because obviously one of the things I do when I'm driving and one of the things I've been teaching my daughter who's been learning to drive is say, just assume that every single driver in front of you is going to do something stupid, like suddenly stop or (laughs) indicate left and turn right or not stop at those traffic lights um, and those sort of things. And so the computerized system in in an electronic car, an autonomous car, would have to try and deal with all those things. Obviously, it just doesn't just drive along the road and stop at the traffic lights or whatever. It also has got to learn that the cars may suddenly do something unpredictable in front or somebody may suddenly walk out in front of you and that kind of stuff and you've got to jam the brakes on. Um, so I can see that it's quite a difficult thing to program, to put it mildly. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to kind of get an algorithm that everyone's going to be comfortable with as well because I guess it's just like a lot of different drivers and stuff like that so um you know like you say when you say um treat like the driver in front of you like they're going to do something stupid that would encourage me to kind of keep back a bit further and stuff but i can, I can see an automatic i can see an automated car like kind of going a bit closer than i would be comfortable with so it's just um it's going to take some time to kind of um get away that everyone's going to be comfortable with really but then again if the person in front of you is automated then that's 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 fine <laughs> yeah well i think that's the point that actually it would be probably safer if a hundred percent of cars at all times were automated because they would all be reacting to each other in the same way 
yeah they would connect probably like you know like a kind of almost bluetooth like signal they would um be able to read each other um and everyone could just kind of stay apart and sit in the cars so but they're you know a hundred percent how many how many cars did you say were registered in the country like 33 million or something yeah well i see again <laughs> i think that's probably what's going to change as well because I, I think that one of the things that's happening and again it goes back to mobile phones you know most people basically don't actually own a mobile phone you basically rent it you pay month by month uh, to a company and then of course the the deal is that after two years or whatever you can go in and say well i'd like to change it for the new model and so you don't have uh, you just change the sort of package you're doing and so as you don't really you don't really own the phone although you probably think it's yours but i mean you, you know that's the way it works and you can imagine a situation with cars in the same way um because i, I looked this up I, I, do you know how what the average time of a car is used every um sorry how many how many miles are used every day on average by every car in the country goodness me um I, I wouldn't be get. I guess the average commute would be around um, possibly five miles. I guess I don't know. That's, that's me living in a village. I guess it takes five miles to get anywhere. But then times up by thirty three million. That would be my closest guess. Uh, what I meant was the the um, the average t- uh, distance travelled by a car in one day in this country is about twenty eight miles. Oh my god! Which is, yeah. which is, as you say, it's probably people who are driving to their work and then coming back in in the evening, uh, plus maybe a bit going shopping or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. not very high. And when you see the people saying, "Oh, electric cars," I'm worried about them because the, the battery will run out. I won't be able to go far enough. Uh, and even the worst of those cars runs a hundred miles or so, and the best ones are sort of three hundred miles on mm. a fully charged battery. So it's not really an issue, I think, for most people. I mean, obviously, if you are driving from London to Edinburgh for the day, then you will need to worry about <laughs> stopping somewhere to recharge the battery. Yes. I mean, that's not a normal job. That's not a normal uh, thing for most people. And the other side of it is that. Most cars are actually parked on the road or in the driveway or in a garage most of the time. And so the actual sort of time they're being used is less than an hour most days. So if you think about that, you then say, well, you know, obviously one of the problems we have living in in most towns and cities and even villages is we just have rows and rows of cars filling up all the sort of driveways and all all the little side roads and all the rest of it. And so... They don't go anywhere. Most of them just sit there most of the day. Is there a solution where you basically share cars in the same way, perhaps as uh, other things? So you would say, I know a block of flats might be they had three or four cars, which everybody used or could use in some way. And if they were automated, then you know I suppose I'm thinking really far ahead here in sort of uh, science fiction things. You know, you'd literally have a, a phone app or something like it, and you'd say I want to use the car for two hours. And you go downstairs, and one of those cars is available for you to get in. And it's unlocked and it flashes when you get to it, and you go and use that car, and then bring it back. And obviously, you're charged for using it for two hours. Um, and that seems quite a practical way of doing things to me. I don't know. Does it sound reasonable to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something you hear like some companies are already trying to do in the form of like you know car sharing with colleagues and stuff like that. I think oh, that was a comedian that did like a sketch show about it. So that was quite funny. Um, but um, yeah, it seems um, you know at the end of the day, it's it's less cars on the road. The thing is that. What that means is also it's, it's a psychological thing here because obviously, you know, people think 
they have they own cars, which they do. They've bought a car, and it's theirs, and they personalise it, and they obviously um, think of it as being something to do with them, and it, perhaps you know, sort of their personality, um, and it's something they own. But the concept of owning things like a car may actually be something which is going to fade away. So the, the few people who still got the petrol. I don't know, Jaguar, a sort of historic classic car driving around would be really weird. <laughs> and, yes. Um, when most people will basically not have a car, there'll be a XYZ car, and you just take one of them from the, the, the pool of them every time you want to use it. Um, I, I, I feel that is the sort of way we're going somehow, and that would mean obviously the total number of cars in the country may be way less than 33 million in future. Yeah, I can. Um, when it comes to like owning a car, and you're saying like someone with the classic kind of um, Jaguar, I I think I guess that will be much more of an exclusive thing. So it will be kind of a thing of like really core enthusiasts in a way, um, and so I guess you know it'll be better for people's money. You know, stop them buying cars that they maybe just don't know a lot about or don't really need. But um, yeah, I can see kind of owning a car and kind of um, car enthusiasm or car enthusiasm being a much more um exclusive thing in, in that sense if um if kind of the, the previous car sharing idea was to really um take off in that sense well of course it's a bit like the early days of driving you know you see all those films of the old cars in the sort of 1920s and 30s where you see them driving along a, a sort of country lane all by themselves and no other cars in in sight mm. and that was sort of heading back to the same sort of idea um i think that uh, also the other thing of course is that if you're driving still a old petrol or diesel car presumably the number of places where you can fill it up are going to disappear over a period and so you might find it very difficult to fill it up you may, may need your own petrol station somehow yeah or just kind of store it yourself in some kind of way which um yeah the price of that i, I don't know what how the how practical um, that would be but um i guess yeah that's one of the things that i guess is going to be like a teething problem uh possibly with the transition as we kind of move away from petrol and diesel yeah well, also, the other thing which is um, typical of a sort of new type industry, which I, I was reading about this the other day, and I must admit I was laughing about it, but um, apparently there's something like seven different types of plug to use to plug in your electric car. And there's something like 22 companies who basically have electricity charging points around the country. And each one of them has their own app. And obviously, depending on what car you've got, you need to know whether you've got plug number one, two, three, four, five or whatever. Mm. Um, and so it gets quite difficult. So you may be thinking, oh, I found a place on my phone that says I can recharge at this this um, this particular location. And when you get there, you find it's got the wrong sort of plug or you haven't got the app. You've got to yeah. stand outside there downloading the app before you can even sort of um, use it. Oh, there's your, there's your siren going. There's my siren. Yeah, that's uh, that's 19 minutes in. <laughs> that's the siren. That feels like a while, but there he goes. Yeah. So there's, I suppose it's like in the early days, perhaps the you didn't have petrol stations or you had different types of fuel you had put in the cars. So they haven't really sorted the electric car um, sort of infrastructure yet, although they're trying very hard. I mean, around St Albans, there's a few electric power points, but I don't know what plugs they've got on those. I think they've probably got... Um, uh, one or two different types but I've seen somebody show me in their car in his boot he had basically all these different connectors so he could use several <laughs> different types of plug you know it all seemed rather rather confusing yeah I think it's one 
it's an adaptable problem um for sure i think you know if you just um you kind of look into it enough and just learn it's kind of you have to kind of plan your journey beforehand and um and uh kind of adapt with the reason but i think it's kind of a case of um it's still quite new it still needs like um like with a smartphone it needs kind of these the top two kind of things to like really take over and be um a popular thing and then kind of those two will be the mass kind of is this the the mass kind of um method of charging uh, i guess and that just hasn't been the case yet because a lot is kind of a the thing that obviously tesla was first and then um kind of the car companies that we know now are, are starting to, to um to do it as well it's um yeah i, I think a unit a kind of a unity point will be found it might be one of those things where it kind of varies from country to country you know you get like a plug in the wall and it's like different to europe than it is in the uk it will hopefully be like a thing that will be nationwide um hopefully <laughs> well i think also i've seen uh, there's some experiments you know if you've got a, a fairly modern phone you don't need to plug them in to charge them you've basically got a, a sort of mat you put them on which is an induction um, charging system the same as if you've got an electric toothbrush it's got the same system basically oh, yeah. um, so there's an idea that you have a sort of a parking space which has got a complete one of these mats and you just drive and park on that and then it parks up it sort of charges up overnight ah that would be a very good idea yeah well, there is a problem at the moment. I've seen it actually locally as well, where people obviously do charge up their cars from their um, home electricity. Um, but if you haven't got a parking space, you know, driveway in your house, and you park on the road, and so you then have to run a, a cable out from your house across the pavement and plug into your car. And apart from being illegal in most places to trail a cable like that, um, it obviously could be potentially dangerous. And I have also heard of people being having finding these cables vandalised, basically, which is again, you know, something that just happens, unfortunately. So it's not a very good solution. And something like forty percent of homes don't actually have a drive or a garage. So straight away, that causes quite a big problem for these sort of charging type things. I mean, um, I, I've lived where I've lived since um, since August, and I've had to walk to my job um, a few times a week. Um, during that time and um i walk i walk over a cable every single every single day as i go on that commute and um yeah i think it's something that can quite simply be solved like when i was working in live sound and there was cables running everywhere you can put guards over the top of them there's like a plastic um so you know when there's like roadworks going on on a pavement they have like a yellow ramp that goes down and then you can walk around it and then walk back up again there's like a yellow thing you can put over your cable that you know it's kind of slanted it means you can't trip um i think yeah that's when you say it initially that sounds like oh running stuff over the pavement that's going to be a problem i think that's um that that you can get around that you can cover a cable it's um it's quite a common practice in a lot of industries there's number one um, i agree it is but people individual people doing that with plugged into their house may not have those yeah. things or want to do it oh another one Sorry, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, so. It's these sort of practical issues about owning electric cars and so on, which are uh, things that, as you say, I'm sure will be worked out. Now, the, the final one I wanted to really talk to you about is the the idea of an autonomous car in the sense that you literally would go to a car and you would get in it and you would basically say Alexa or Google or something, take me to so and so place, and it would basically just drive you there without you doing anything else now this is something which 
seems to be within the realms of practicality, although, of course, they haven't really got it yet. But do you think that's a, an interesting concept? I mean, do you think you'd like that? I mean, you know, you, you go out at the moment, perhaps, and you know, hail a cab or call an Uber and so on, and it just turns up and there's a human driver taking you. And in future, it would effectively be a, a computer driver taking you where you want to go. It's difficult. I mean... <laughs> You say something on the face of that, and it sounds quite scary. But um, uh, yeah, I did, I did do I did do it like deliberately like that because. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, um, goodness me! I mean, I guess sat nav technology is um, has come quite a way. I, I guess as long as I've, uh, whenever I've had to use one, it's never taken me to the wrong place. Um, in that way, it's just uh, I guess you know it, it takes you to the wrong place and um <laughs> but then again that's not really a problem nowadays it's, um, it's god i don't know i don't know um <laughs> well i suppose i suppose obviously you, you'd have to make sure that when you say where you want to go you're, you're explicit enough to say it's the one that's in you know london rather than the one in edinburgh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> same street name or something um but more than that it's it's perhaps a question of the safety whether the the vehicle is able to do that we discussed that a little earlier in terms of how safe these cars are and obviously they do have hundreds and hundreds of um sensors sometimes i think you know one car has dozens of different sensors and one of the things which a technical issue again which i came across is that they're going to need 5g networks to operate this because of the volume of data yeah and it's something like terabits of data every few minutes yeah. uh, you know yeah. and you you probably know what a terabit is it's, it's a billion bits yeah so, that's about um as much as a games console nowadays yeah really a terabit? yeah yeah a ter- one terabyte game console um i would say i think that's the latest uh xbox by microsoft i think that's a terabyte um, Ooh, right, I didn't yeah. realise that. Okay, but anyway, I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of data, and obviously, it's going to be a radio thing because it's a five G. So you, you, it does mean you've got to have the whole country, every inch of it, where there's a road or something, covered by five G, which again is, I should think, quite a limiting factor because it's going to take a long time to roll that out. I think, goodness me, in Kimpton, where I live, that's the, that's yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> that'll be in twenty seventy seven. Yeah, I'll be right. stuck in a country lane if I'm doing that. I'm... <laughs> Well, also, I did see an experiment which was in, I think, Brighton, and there was a square there, and they set it up for 5G to try out some various things. And they needed, like, 20 um, different um, transmitter stations and aerials to cover one little square. So, you know, because it's all only very short distance type stuff. Um, So I have some sort of practical doubts about some of these things i mean clearly if you're traveling up and down the m1 that'll be available it probably is available already um and so on and then obviously you go on major roads that's the way it would work yeah i mean villages and and small towns and and little corners of places you know a town where there's a little cul-de-sac off off the main road that may take a while to get going so i have a sort of worry that you'd find that there's bits and pieces where you, you couldn't complete the journey because they hadn't got the information yeah, I mean, um, a solution to that I can hear is like, let's say you're going from home somewhere, you'd um, likely have an internet router at home that you could connect your car to. Um, you could pro- probably like input your journey already and be on the Wi-Fi, and you can your car could possibly download it and like kind of store it without having to access an internet connection. So, um, so if, like you're saying, if like cars can probably carry like a terabyte of storage. 
um, in the future, then I'm probably downloading and storing these journeys as opposed to utilizing a connection. Um, I, I can't see that being impossible. Yeah, but they, they need the data continuously to know whether they're going on the right side of the road, whether there's cars in front, there's a traffic oh, yeah, jam. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the actual continuous updating mm. is the issue. Because, I mean, as a driver, you're sitting there, and when you're driving, you're you're obviously looking at the road in front of you. You're, you're also glancing left and right. You're looking in your mirror to see things behind you. Um, and obviously you're looking at signals you're also thinking about whether you're in the right gear you don't have gears in electric cars that's one easy thing right. um, and and so on so it's all those things that you're doing as a human times 10 because you you know it's got to have all the intuition built in as well um and so it's <laughs> the more i think about it the more i think it's actually really complicated and very difficult indeed yeah i mean like um you've kind of saying that i mean with a car like storing loads of information who's to say there isn't going to be like these things that hang over the road that can kind of um communicate with the cars and kind of give it all the information and make sure they don't hit into each other like a kind of automated roads in a sense well no, no you're right that's exactly <laughs> the point um okay so let's finish off now I, let me give you the horror story version how about this oh, you've gosh. got you've got into this car you've asked it to take you to somewhere and it's, it's driven there and then when it gets there um, it suddenly sort of you, normally it would unlock the door so you can get out, but the door isn't the door stays locked and you can't get out. <laughs> I've just written oh, the whole no. Hollywood movie of that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Spielberg will be on that, I'm sure. Um, oh my word, yeah, that. Um, oh god, that would be yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Oh gosh, I was going to say I don't know if it, would the AA manage to um, <laughs> manage to um, advance their services to deal with this kind of stuff? Oh, good uh, God. Sure. Well, I, I just read a story about a couple who actually were um, in a in a modern building which had all super electronic controls for locks and windows and everything else, and they were the last people to leave. And um, basically, they uh, found the lift wasn't working. So one of them went into one lift and one went into another for some reason. And both of those then stopped. <gasps> oh, no. And they were basically stuck in this automated, it's again, a sort of science fiction nightmare st scenario. Uh, they were locked in this building and they, they couldn't find any way of, you know, their, their phone didn't work in the lift because it's metal and they couldn't get oh, a signal. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, I just thought, ooh, I can imagine that happening in cars, you know, as well. Oh, God. Um yeah, that's um. Oh dear, that's um, God. That is, yeah. I was, I was, I was gonna say, we're talking about like you know complete automation and stuff. I I think like having like a half and half, like I, I could never like give up all that control um and and stuff like that. It's, it's um. Oh God. I, yeah, the trust is still a bit shaky to be fair um <laughs> well i saw a mock-up car you see of a, a car of the future and basically it was a sort of happy family mummy and daddy and two young children sitting in a sort of sofa and it was the car was almost round so it had a sort of <clears throat> a round sofa in the car with a great big tv screen in it and they just went in the car sat down and watched a film as it was taking them to wherever. So there was no like windows or even a, a the, the television screen didn't show the outside at all it just basically was an enclosed box and you just trusted the whole thing to get you to where you wanted to go. And I did feel that was a bit unlikely. 
Yeah, that kind of seems a bit too good to be true. <laughs> to be fair, just oh god, thinking about long kind of child car journeys to Spain that I've been on with my family, that would have been a godsend. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you obviously can provide entertainment systems as you do now, and, and maybe the driver could sort of be watching things as well. But you, you just sort of um, think that the idea is a little bit too far fetched. I mean, maybe you know, fifty years time, it will be easy to do that sort of stuff um but i think um in the realistic sort of next you know 10 15 years that seems a little bit pushing it yeah no i i agree with that yeah <laughs> so you might not see those um take me home james cars just yet you know <laughs> no no not, not not just yet but um but you know what, what watch this space it's um but it's a you have so many people who are trying to break into it because there's going to be a lot of money there <laughs> indeed and that's what that's what drives all these things isn't it well look hello it's great great to talk to you again and uh, i think interesting conversation i hope um giving you a few ideas I, i've been the more i think about this the more i think oh dear there's quite a few things they haven't really thought about yes <laughs> so there's, there's a lot <laughs> when it comes to cars nowadays yeah anyway nice to speak to you again and uh, have a have a nice summer because i'm sure you will with the the weather's nice at the moment and um, obviously all the restrictions being removed and so on, even with the, the, the things we know, obviously it's not all perfect now, but things should be getting back to normal. That was the, the phrase, whatever normal is. Uh, yeah, you know, just got to keep us, um, just got to be sensible about it, really. Um, I'm just, you know, just keeping an eye on it as best as I can. Okay, right. So we'll um, finish there then. So thank you very much. Now you've been listening to the Generation Gap podcast here um, from Radio Verulam ninety two point six FM, and I'm Clive, and you've been listening to me and Hannah talking about um, cars and particularly electronic cars and cars of the future. I suppose it is really. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast, you can find plenty more podcasts from Generation Gap and other th- programs from Radio Verulam on the website www.radioverulam.com. Thank you for listening and uh, hope you listen again in the future. Thank you.